Anyway, um, lovely for, for us all to be able to gather this morning. As I've just said, a reminder this morning, it is communion. So if you haven't got all your bits and pieces ready, then please do so as we start the service, um, as Martin will be leading us through communion um, later on in the service. Um, just before we, we move on, um, we had a thing through the prayer chain this morning that um, Adrian had went to hospital um, this morning. Uh, he's in A&E at the moment. Um, so we need to pray for Leslie and for Adrian at this time. So before we move on, let's just pray for, for, for them both. Father God, we thank you for your amazing love. We thank you that you're a God who heals. And Lord, we just lift Adrian before you right now. We just ask for your hand of healing to be upon him, Lord. Um, we pray that it isn't a heart attack. And Lord, we just ask for the doctors to have the skill that they need to be able to diagnose what the problem is. We pray for the pain that he has at the moment. We ask, Lord, that you would just ease that pain and give peace to both himself and Leslie as well at this time. Lord, we know you're an amazing God. And we're celebrating you here this morning. And so, Father, we just want to just lift our brother before you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to hand over to Martin for a couple of notices now. Yes, good morning, everyone. Wherever you're uh, tuning in from, whether it's uh, Kent or Wiltshire or I think it's Warwickshire or France you're, or Surrey, of course, you're all very, very welcome. It's great to see you all. Um, just to say that a couple of notices um, for church members at Heatherville, there is a, a church members meeting this Tuesday online. Um, the link will be sent out uh, on the online link or the phone link if you're tuning in that way. So please look out for that tomorrow. Uh, please join us. Uh, it's important. We're looking at uh, budgets uh, for the coming financial year. So it's a really important meeting. So please try to be there at eight o'clock this Tuesday. Um, Margaret Port, who was our oldest uh, member until recently, her um, funeral is this Thursday at Aldershot at 2.15 p.m. Um, you are able to attend online if you'd like to. Um, Evelyn will be sending out the link uh, tomorrow because I've sent it to her uh, yesterday um, and that will be forwarded on to everyone tomorrow. So you can tune in as you did for Victor's uh, via um, the Obitus system at uh, Aldershot Crematorium. I will be leading uh, that service on Thursday and Bill Eldridge is also taking part uh, in the worship. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Actually, I'm just noticing it's great. You know, when you scroll, those who are able to, we're able to scroll through and see all the, the different people who are on this morning. Um, and I can see one of our youngest members is actually on at the moment. Um, give us a quick wave. Give us a quick wave. Yes, there we go. So with Nigel and Paula is there, their newest grandchild. Anyway, so it's lovely to see you all this morning. And you're all now scrolling through to have a quick look, aren't you? <laughs> anyway, um, so this morning we've we've got communion, as we said. Um, we've got a couple of songs, um, and then Mark will be bringing his uh, his all age talk. But it's it's wonderful to just come before our amazing God this morning. We're here to just give Him praise, and so let's just uh, raise our voices uh, while we're on mute. I know, but let's just raise our voices and give God the glory this morning. And I just realised I forgot to mention that if you need prayer after the service, uh, John's number is there. It will come up at the end of the service as well.
standing with us now Lord, unveil our eyes You're the reason we're here You're the reason we're singing Open up the heavens We want to see
So let's just, um, you know, if you want to unmute yourself and give a prayer of praise and thanksgiving, we'll have time uh, later on in the service for, for prayers of petition. But let's just give glory to our God this morning for who he is. Please unmute yourself. Jesus, we just praise you this morning that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the one who is enthroned and exalted at the right hand of the Father. And one day you are coming again, riding on the clouds, glorious warrior king, coming for, for your own, coming to bring a new heaven and a new earth, and coming in victory when one day all enemies of you will be uh, thwarted and pushed down, and we will reign with you in your eternal kingdom. So we just praise you and worship you, exalted, risen, glorified Christ. We, we love you, we worship mm. you, we bow the knee, we honour you this morning. Amen. Amen. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together, he called the seas. And God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants bearing seeds and fruit trees bearing fruit in which their seed is each according to their kind. And it was so. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth. So God created all living creatures that move and he saw that it was all good. The sun evaporated water from the seas into clouds which drifted across the lands watering the trees and the vegetation and flowing back into the streams to the sea. God's nature was perfect and, it, and then he created man. Dear Lord, our creations have not been as wonderful as we can, uh, can only ask for your forgiveness and look forward to the new heaven and new earth which you have promised. That's your name, Lord.
And so we thank you, Father, for your unfailing love for each day that we have. Lord, even though we're in the midst of, of dark days and, and days that uh, we, we couldn't even think of before, we thank you that there is hope. We thank you there is hope in Jesus. We thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for the fact that um, uh, many people are getting their vaccination now. We praise you for that, Lord. We look forward to um, being able to gather together um, soon, Lord. We know that, that there, are, there are great days to come, and we thank you and we praise you for your unfailing love. Amen. So I'm going to hand over now to Mark, who's bringing us the last of his Ezekiel talks. Um, so I'm going to stop sharing and hand over to Mark. Hi everyone. This week, as we come to the end of our preaching series on Ezekiel, we're also coming to the end of our video series on covenants, and we're ending with the new covenant. But what is the new covenant? Remember, I said that covenants were agreements between God and man, and we've seen some of them over the last few weeks. So let's have a quick recap. Firstly, we saw that God said he would never again destroy the earth with a flood, and the sign of the everlasting covenant was the rainbow. Then he promised Abraham that his descendants would be a great nation, more numerous than the stars, and that the whole earth would be blessed through them. Next, came the Ten Commandments and the law, and the promise that if the Israelites obeyed God and kept his commands, God would bless them and make them fruitful. And finally, last week, we saw the promise that David's kingdom would be an everlasting kingdom, and his heir would sit on the throne for eternity. But what has that got to do with the new covenant? Well, the new covenant is the fulfillment and the extension of all these covenants. You see, the new covenant is the covenant that God makes with the whole of humanity through his son, Jesus Christ. But how does that work? What does it mean? How does Jesus fulfill each of them? When God destroyed the earth with a flood, it was because the people sinned and sin entered the world when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and were banished from the Garden of Eden. God is holy and can't look upon sin and sin needed to be punished. Hence the flood. But Jesus came to make a way for humans to come back into relationship with God through his death and resurrection. Jesus' sacrifice paves the way for the restoration of a new heaven and a new earth to put things right with God. Then Jesus' lineage, that's his ancestry, included Abraham. Abraham was one of Jesus' forefathers. And this covenant is fulfilled in Jesus, the covenant that through Abraham's offspring, all nations will be blessed. And today, 
There are more than 2.4 billion Christians worldwide, and there is not one country in the world that doesn't have a Christian presence, however large or small. And when God made his covenant with Moses, he wrote it on tablets of stone that were kept in the Ark of the Covenant. Obviously, as we've seen, the Israelites did not always get things right. They sinned, so God provided a way through the law that their sins could be forgiven. The priests made sacrifices on behalf of the people in the tabernacle. Jesus came to be a full and permanent sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Through his death and resurrection, mankind was reconciled to God through the actions of the Son of God, who gave his life so that anyone and everyone who believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And what's more, through this sacrifice, the law that was written on tablets of stone has been replaced by a law that's written on our hearts. Jesus was also a descendant of David. When he ascended to heaven, he was seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is now King of Kings and rules over everything, thus fulfilling the promise to David that his kingdom will be eternal and his heir will sit on the throne forever. Jesus is this king. Did you know the new covenant not only fulfilled the old covenant through Jesus, but it was also prophesied about throughout the Old Testament. Jeremiah said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with my people. This is the covenant that I will make with them. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. And even Ezekiel, the guy who we've been looking at over the past six or seven weeks, spoke of it. He said... I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful of my laws. Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophecies and to establish the new covenant between God and his people. He said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The old covenant was written in stone, but the new covenant is written on our hearts. Entering the new covenant is only possible through faith in Jesus Christ, who shed his blood to take away the sins of the world and the Holy Spirit is given to all of those who believe in him and the Spirit lives within us and helps us to live in the light of Jesus. So the new covenant was established through Jesus' death and resurrection. The promise is that through faith in Jesus, our sins are forgiven and we can have a relationship and eternal life with God. We no longer live under the law, but receive this new covenant through grace of God. 
but our responsibility and our response to this covenant is that we are to love God with all our hearts and to love our neighbours as ourselves. We should share the good news of the gospel in words and actions. And lastly, again, there is a sign of the new covenant. And that sign is communion. Jesus said at the Last Supper, at the instigation of the sacrament of communion, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. And we'll be celebrating this a little bit later this morning. Well, thank you, Mark, for that. That's amazing, isn't it, what God has done? Um, and we're going to follow on with uh, straight from that um, into communion ourselves. So um, just before we, we, we uh, Martin leads us through, um, we've got a song uh, to, to, to sing. Um, either, while, while we're going through this, either um, allow the song to just uh, be something that ministers to you or you can sing along. Thank you. 
together. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you that you were obedient to death. Thank you that you gave your life, that you suffered the curse of death for our sin in our place. Thank you that your blood was shed to establish a new covenant relationship. And thank you that through faith in you, you have sealed your new covenant on our hearts through the gift of the Holy Spirit in us. Thank you for writing the law on our hearts. And thank you that you have given us a new heart of flesh, soft hearts that long to obey you. Thank you for paying the penalty of death, that we might have your righteousness. And thank you, Jesus, that you became unrighteous when you bore our sin on the tree so that we might receive by faith your righteousness. Lord, this is this mercy is undeserved. What grace is ours. Thank you that we have God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace upon grace. And Lord, we come as we are. We come as those who haven't loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind and with all our strength. And we confess, Lord, that we haven't loved our neighbour as ourselves. And so we ask again, Jesus, as we come to receive this sacrament, that you would cleanse us and wash us as white as snow through your blood. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Paul writes, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we break the bread and eat it, giving thanks for the body of Christ sacrificed for our sin. And in the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so we take this cup, remembering that Christ's blood was poured out for our sins. And let us be thankful. Move now into a time of open prayer. Um, if you'd like to, to pray out loud, then please, uh, please do unmute yourself and uh, share as the Holy Spirit leads. Father, we pray that as Josh goes in for his second bout of chemo this week, his second round, we pray, Father, that you would be by his side and may he know that your presence is there with him as we are all there by his side. Yes. Father, we pray that you would just uplift him and that he will know your very presence with him. We pray for, every, for the rest of our family that you would just be with them at this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see. Your hand is provided what we need. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I lift Sally Chiverton's uh, dad before you, Neville, who's uh, uh, very, very poorly. And uh, Lord, I just pray for his wife, Olive, and for Sally and the wider family. But Lord, be uh, with Neville at this time. Just pour out your peace and comfort in that situation. And Lord, I pray for, the, for, for Sally uh, to offer the right words at the right time, words of hope, words of comfort to assure her dad and mum that she's praying for them and lord somehow i pray that in this time they might reach out and find you um, but lord be with sally especially as she seeks to minister to the family but minister to her too lord by your spirit in jesus name amen
Lord, I just want to thank you so much for your presence with us on Friday at Mum's funeral. Mm. We really felt that, Lord. We felt your Holy Spirit moving in amongst each and every person present. What a wonderful send-off for such a wonderful person. I thank you for that, for the words that were chosen, the songs that were chosen. And I especially thank you for all of the people who took part in that service and made it such a special time. Pray for the technology, although not at its best, sadly, but um, it's better than nothing. And we thank you, Lord, that so many people across the world were able to join us, which was a comfort to all of us as a family. So we thank you, Lord, for your presence during that special day. And we ask for your continued presence in the days and weeks to come without mum. Knowing that you are a loving, comforting Lord. And for that, we are eternally grateful. Yes. Amen. 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 Loving God, we continue to pray for Elaine, the children. Mm. Heavenly Father, pray that they will continue to know your love, your peace and your comfort. Mm. Especially this week, Lord, as the children go back to school. Father, I just lift Elaine to you yeah. as you'll be at home alone this week. Yes. And Father, I just pray for her. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Father, we pray your blessing and healing on those who uh, are having treatment at this time for Adrian Cook, but also, Lord, for Janet Mills, uh, for Pat, uh, for Ian. We, we pray, Lord, that you would bless them all with recovery and with your healing power and presence, that you would restore them in every way. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So this morning, uh, we're continuing on uh, um, studies in Ezekiel, and we're on Ezekiel 47, uh, verses 1 to 12, that Martin's going to be coming and speaking to us from. So let's read from the word of God. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me round the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was trickling from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross, because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, 
This water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah, where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from En Gedai to En Eglam. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for the salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. Let's just pray for Martin as he comes to speak. Father God, we thank you um, for your word. We thank you that it is life to each one of us. And Lord, as your word is, is, is brought to us now, Lord, we just ask for Martin that you bless him. Lord, may the words he speak be manner to our hearts this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you, Steve, for leading us in worship. I, I must admit, I love the uh, wondrous cross rendition. That was, that was really reflective and helpful for leading into communion. So thank you for that. And thank you to Mark for, I mean, talk about timing, um, doing the new covenant as we're looking at communion. That was, that was really helpful. So thank you both. And uh, of course, to John for hosting uh, the Zoom this morning. Um, um, the River Thames is, is something that here uh, is quite prominent for, for, for those of us who live in Surrey, but also uh, for those who live in Whitstable, um, you probably are aware that the um, uh, Whitstable to Foulness Point in Essex is geographically apparently the, uh, the place where the Thames estuary comes to an end. Um, it's the outlet of the uh, Thames into the North Sea. So uh, if you live in uh, Surrey or, or Kent this morning, then uh, this is particularly relevant to you. But just a few facts and figures about the Thames River. Um, this is where it starts in Kemble in Gloucestershire near Sirencester. Um, it's literally uh, in season. There's a, little, there's a little bit of water in a field um, literally, the lying water, that's where it starts in, uh, in Kemble. Um, we visited there as a, as a family because it wasn't far from uh, where my parents lived, near Sirencester. So that's, that's how it uh, begins. And the River Thames is, is 215 miles long, and it's the second longest river in the UK, uh, the, the River Severn uh, being the longest, of course. Um, where... Uh, and that's the picture of the outlet of, of the Thames. Um, and uh, the next slide, which is a picture of, uh, you've got a picture there. On the top right, you can see Foulness in Essex. And then at the bottom right, you've got Whitstable. And uh, if you draw a line from Foulness in Essex down to Whitstable, there you have the end of the River Thames estuary. And that is 18 miles wide. So that's quite, a, that's quite a growth of a river, isn't it? From very small beginnings and a trickle in a field in Kemble, in Gloucestershire, to uh, Essex and Kent, it grows to become 18 miles wide. And uh, there are lots and lots of tributaries, I'm sure you're aware of, that feed into the Thames to create this much larger uh, river by the time you get to, to Kent and Essex. 
Um, now, the river that flowed from the temple in the vision that God gave to Ezekiel was no ordinary river. It was miraculous. It begins like the Thames as a trickle. But unlike the Thames that comes out of the ground, um, this comes from underneath the temple. And there are no tributaries flowing into this river. This river just gets deeper and grows wider um, without any um, normal natural means of tributaries flowing into it. And not only that, miraculous fruit, trees with fruit that never fails and with leaves that bring healing to the nations are always in season, uh, sprouting at the size of this river. And when the fresh water from this river enters the sea, it makes the salt water fresh. Now, you, you're probably aware that that's the wrong way around. It's, it's, it's normally that uh, uh, salt water makes fresh water uh, salty. But in this miraculous river, uh, the water becomes fresh. And there's an abundance of fish and wildlife. Wherever this river goes, it brings healing and transformation and life. Um, it's a bit like the vision of the dry bones in Ezekiel 37. It's miraculous. It's God giving life, healing, um, restoring. That's the picture and transformation, of course. And just like the vision that God gave Ezekiel has a number of horizons of fulfillment, short distance and far distance. So this vision that God gave Ezekiel of the temple and the river has a number of horizons of fulfillment. And the near horizon of the vision is the return of Judah to their land. Remember that they're in exile in Babylon, away from the temple, away from Jerusalem, away from the land of Canaan. Um, and to understand this vision, we need to see that it's part of a, a series of visions about a, re, a renewed temple and a renewed land and a renewed city of Jerusalem that come in Ezekiel chapters 40 to 48. It's a huge vision of a, of a to total restoration, in fact, of new creation, in fact. And this vision of, of Ezekiel's was partially fulfilled, of course, when under Cyrus the Persian, the, Jude the Judeans returned from Babylon back to Jerusalem. And under Ezra and Nehemiah, the temple was rebuilt and they refarmed the land and they, the, um, they produced crops again. And... Um, the land became fertile again, and the people enjoyed a partial restoration of the life that they had before exile. Um, they did return to fertilizing, plowing, planting, and harvesting. And they also experienced some renewal as Ezra and Nehemiah led them in the rebuilding and led them in a covenant renewal service where they recommitted themselves to temple worship and to keeping God's law there was a level of restoration and renewal for the people back in their land. Um, but it was never complete, of course. But this renewal of the temple and God's people back in their land is also a partial restoration of the Garden of Eden. Let me explain. The image of a life-giving stream of water flowing from God's place of dwelling also comes in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 2, we're told that Adam was put in the garden where there were all kinds of trees that were good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river watered the garden of Eden and flowed into four headwaters, the Pishon, the Gihon, the Tigris and the Euphrates. 
And the connections between God's dwelling in the Garden of Eden and his dwelling in the temple in Ezekiel are very clear. For example, Adam is told in Genesis 2.15 to work the Garden of Eden and to take care of it. Now, literally, the Hebrew is that Adam is told to serve and guard the Garden of Eden. The same verbs to serve and guard are used of the priests in the book of Numbers to serve and guard the tabernacle sanctuary where God's presence resides in the Holy of Holies. So the temple, the tabernacle, was always meant to be a, re a reminder of God's presence in the garden. The Holy of Holies is, is, if you like, a model of the Garden of Eden where God dwelt. So the priests are there to guard and to serve the Holy of Holies and the temple precincts where God's blessing dwells. And when Moses is given instructions for constructing the temple and pre previous to that, the, the tabernacle, there are so many details there which take you back to the temple sanctuary, the garden sanctuary of the Garden of Eden. Um, for example, both Eden and the tabernacle are guarded by angelic cherubim um, and are entered from the east. The lampstand in the temple reminds us of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Precious metals found in Eden, such as gold, pearls and onyx, are also used in the construction of the tabernacle. And just as the Lord dwelt with Adam and Eve in Eden, so he meets with and resides with his people in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies. In other words, it's clear that the Garden of Eden was a sanctuary, a temple garden where God's presence dwelt. And the tabernacle and the temple after that were reminders of God's presence in the Garden of Eden, a kind of partial restoration of the Garden of Eden, if you like. And God's dwelling among his people in the temple and in the land of, of Judah was always meant to be a partial return to the Garden of Eden. Remember that Adam and Eve were exiled and cut off um, when they disobeyed God and ate the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat, the knowledge of good and evil. Um, they were cut off and the cher cherubim and, and a flaming sword separated them from God's presence in the garden. They no longer had access to the tree of life and they lost immortality, death and decay, sickness, um, dysfunction entered into the creation. Work became hard and uh, pain entered into the created order. But God restored his presence with his people by giving them a tabernacle and later a temple where his presence in the Holy of, Holies, Holy of Holies could dwell and their sin was dealt with by a system of sacrifices. But God's people rebelled yet again over the long term and eventually they came under God's curse again. They were cut off from God's presence and were exiled to the land of Babylon. But God never even left his, his people alone there. Even though his presence left the temple, his, a vision of God came to Ezekiel while they were in exile in Babylon. And God came as a warrior king, judging his people, but then saying that the other side of judgment, there would be a restoration. If the people turned back to him and repented of their sin, God promised to bring a remnant back to the land and to restore his temple and his people. So Ezekiel's prophecy has a short term fulfillment of a new temple and a new land. And we see this in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. But 
the book, if you read Ezra and Nehemiah, you'll, ne you'll see that the temple was never as glorious as it was under the days of King David. And the people never really ever um, enjoyed uh, total obedience to God's law. And so this vision has a far distant horizon too. It's as far distant as a new heaven and a new earth. It's not only in Genesis that we see a river. If you read into Revelation 22, John's vision of the very end of the age, you see that John describes the new heaven and the new earth that Jesus will bring when he comes at the very end of the age. Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great city, street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Do you see again the language of the Garden of Eden there, the tree of life, the leaves for the healing of the nation, uh, the river flowing from God's throne? And again, the resonances with Ezekiel's temple, with the water flowing from the temple. In John's vision, the river of life forms part of the city of God, which comes out of heaven down to earth. And in John's vision, there was no longer any need for a temple because God's presence filled the city of Jerusalem, the heavenly city. So in the new heavenly Jerusalem, the river doesn't flow from under the temple, but flows right down the high street of the city. But notice that Ezekiel's miraculous healing trees are there again in John's vision, too. In John's vision, the tree of life has miraculously sprouted to, to produce 12 crops of fruit on both sides of the river, symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles and symbolizing that so much worldwide fruit, people from all nations will come into God's eternal kingdom from the witness of the 12 uh, tribes of Israel in the old covenant and from the 12 apostles in the new covenant will come a great harvest of people from every nation, tribe and language. The tree of life in the garden of Eden that ensured that Adam and Eve would stay immortal and enjoy life and uh, flourishing with God has now become a tree which brings healing to the nation and it's a picture of total transformation it's a picture of being right with God it's a picture of a new restored creation a new heaven and a new earth and people from all tribes nations languages ethnicities will enjoy um, this new heaven and a new earth the heavenly city will be the place of ultimate healing revelation 21 then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's the vision of the new city of Zion, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven in the new heaven and the new earth. And that's where one day believers will live. And Ezekiel adds um, in his vision, adds some details to John's vision of a new heaven and a new earth. 
the river in Ezekiel's vision be begins as a trickle from under the temple, which then soon becomes ankle deep, then waist deep, and then too deep to cross. And this is a picture of the age of the spirit, the new age of the spirit, which we're in now, we're living in now, where the kingdom of God begins from small beginnings, a little trickle. In fact, from, from Jesus, the remnant, the true faithful remnant of Israel begins a tiny uh, seed, if you like. Out of that remnant comes a vast worldwide uh, kingdom of God. Um, for example, Jesus described the kingdom of God as starting out like a tiny mustard seed, only a little trickle, if you like. But this seed, this mustard seed grows to be a large tree in which birds perch in its branches. And one day the kingdom of God will have expanded across the whole earth so that John comments in Revelation 7, 9. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. As Mark said earlier in his talk, over two, nearly two and a half billion people around the world follow Christ today. And so you can imagine historically and moving into the future, how many people are going to be standing before the throne and before the Lamb? Who knows? Billions and billions throughout history, throughout eternity will be there. People who followed Jesus Christ. So that tiny mustard seed has grown into a vast kingdom. That little trickle of water flowing out from the temple has become a vast uh, river of life bringing transformation and healing everywhere it goes across the whole world. And in Ezekiel's vision, the river brings transformation to salt water so that swarms of fish and living things thrive wherever the river goes. And fishermen reel in fish, multiple fish are caught. And this brings to mind another parable of Jesus about the kingdom of God, the parable of the dragnet in Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fishing baskets and threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. This is a picture of the end of the age when there'll be so many fish that Jesus will sort into those who followed him and those who have rejected him. And the good fish um, he will collect and they will, he will gather them into his kingdom and the others will be separated from his presence for eternity. So Ezekiel's vision is no less ultimately than a vision of a restored Eden in a new heaven and a new earth where the heavenly city comes down out of heaven. And the river of God brings transformation and healing to everybody who lives there. Creation will be restored and renewed. All suffering, death, decay and sorrow will be at an end. God's people will dwell for, for eternity in this heavenly city. But until then, until Jesus comes at the end of the age to bring about this vision of a new heaven and a new earth, we are called to be fishers of men. Uh, we're called to be, we, we're called to go fishing. Now you might say, uh, I'm not good at fishing. Uh, I don't like fishing. I'll leave the fishing to the evangelists, to the people who are gifted in fishing for people. They can do it. But the truth is that Jesus promises to empower and equip all of us to catch fish, to be those who bring people into his eternal kingdom. And that's because Jesus 
is the fulfillment of Ezekiel's vision. I'll just put that up there on the screen. The tree of life ensured eternal life in the Garden of Eden. And the tree of life in John's vision is a picture of the healing and the harvest that the gospel has brought and continues to bring and will ultimately bring to all nations of the earth. People from all nations will enjoy the heavenly city because they've been healed and forgiven and transformed by believing the gospel about Jesus Christ. Jesus is the first fruits in his death and resurrection of a new creation. Jesus' resurrection assures us that there will be a total healing and uh, restoration of, an, of the new creation. Why? Why is that? Well, it's because Jesus experienced a different kind of tree, a cursed tree, so that you and me through faith could experience the blessing of the tree of life. 1 Peter 2 verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus experienced the curse of sin in our place. He died the death that we deserve, that we might receive the life and healing that he deserves. Jesus suffered the curse of death by dying for your sin and my sin on the cross, so that by faith we could receive healing, restoration, and an eternal inheritance in a new heaven and a new earth. Now that's good news, isn't it? Jesus paid the penalty that was ours, the penalty that cut us off from God's presence, the curse that separated us from God. Jesus took on himself on the cross and he broke down that dividing wall of hostility between us and God. The curse is paid. And by faith, we are set free to know Jesus. But you say still, you say, how am I going to be a fisherman? How in my ordinary Christian life can I help to bring other people into the kingdom and go fishing? Well, this same Jesus promises you and me power. When we believe in him, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. How do we know? Well, on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, when Jesus was in the temple, at a water outpouring feast, a feast that celebrated the gift of the eschatological end times gift of the Holy Spirit. They used to pour out water as a sign of the Holy Spirit being poured out in the last days. And this is what Jesus stands up and says in the temple at this festival. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the spirit with those who believed in him were later to receive. The Jews at this festival celebrated the end time gift of the Holy Spirit prophesied by Ezekiel in Ezekiel 47. So do you see what Jesus is doing here? He's saying, look, folks, it's me. Through me, you can receive the river of God promised in Ezekiel 47. It's me. I am the source of living water. I am the source of healing, life, transformation, forgiveness. Through me, you will be restored and forgiven and cleansed and healed. And the whole creation will be restored and forgiven and cleansed and healed. Jesus is the means. And he pours out his Holy Spirit on ordinary believers like you and me. And streams of living water flow from within us. And they don't just flow and bubble up in us. 
they flow out of us to bring blessing and healing and transformation. That picture of the river of God flowing out from under the temple is a picture of you and me. Through faith in Jesus, we've become mini temples of the Holy Spirit. God, God's water bubbles up in us of his spirit and is to flow out to others and bring life and transformation and blessing and healing. Isn't that a wonderful picture? Jesus, in his death and resurrection, destroyed the temple. But he's raised you and me to be many temples by faith. And he's put his Holy Spirit in us and in the church. And he's, he's raised us up to be his spiritual temple. And the, the Holy Spirit in us is to flow out and bring blessing. So everywhere you go, you have the river of God in you. And God's spirit wants to bless and flow out to your family members. So when you go into the workplace, the Holy Spirit is there in you, flowing out and bringing blessing. When you go into the community and you serve there, the Holy Spirit wants to bring blessing and healing and restoration through you as he brings it in you. In your family life, however hard that is, and however isolating that is, the Holy Spirit wants to assure you of his presence and he wants to bring blessing and healing in your family. Wherever you go, the river of God goes because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And God wants to use you and me to invite others into his kingdom. He wants us to catch fish, to be fishers of men, to bring healing and transformation and to offer the new life of the kingdom, to offer living water to all who are thirsty. Do you know anybody who's thirsty out there in the community, in your workplace, in your family for new life? I'm sure you do. I certainly do. Well, God wants you and me to offer fresh living water to those who are thirsty for God so that they too experience healing and transformation and new life. Are we, are, are you and I ready to obey this calling? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the river of God, which flows from under the temple and flows out from us to to all people. And we thank you, Lord, that you've given us the gift of your Holy Spirit. But Father, we ask again this morning that you would pour out your spirit on each one of us. Lord, refresh us. Lord, where we're thirsty. Lord, we pray that you pour out your your spirit on us again this morning. Lord, give us fresh power and a fresh vision to reach people in our workplaces, our community, our family, our neighbours with the gospel of Jesus. Lord, empower us, equip us to be fishers of men, to bring in people into your kingdom, to catch the fish, Lord, that are out there in our community. Lord, give us a fresh heart, fresh vision to catch fish in our community. Lord, bless us, empower us, equip us with your Holy Spirit. Lord, our heart's desire is to bring to be agents of healing, transformation and blessing wherever we go. So, Lord, this week, through our prayers and through our witness in word and deed, Lord, may we be those who bring the river of God to all those that we come into contact with. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Martin. Um, it's been an amazing series. Um, and to finish with that vision of what God is going to be doing. And one day we're going to be with him in glory, in that new heaven, that new earth. Um, it's just amazing. So let's finish by singing, uh, take us to the river. Lots of rivers this morning. So take us to the river.
Take us to the river Take us there in unity to sing A song of your salvation To win this generation for our King A song of your forgiveness For it is with grace that river flows Take us to the river in the city of our God Take us to your throne room Give us ears to hear the cry of hell For that cry is mercy Mercy to the fallen sons of men For mercy it has triumphed Triumphed over judgment by your blood Take us to the throne room In the city of our God For the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us This is the The Sovereign Lord is upon us This is the year of the Lord Take us to the mountain Lift us in the shadow of your hands Is this your mighty angel? Who stands astride the ocean and the land For in his hand your mercy Showers on a dry and barren place Take us to the mountain In the city of our God For the spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us This is the year of the Lord The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us This is the There in unity to sing A song of your salvation To win this generation for our King A song of your forgiveness For it is with grace that river flows Take us to the river in the city of our God Take us to the throne room In the city of our God 
Take us to the mountain in the city of our God. Just a reminder that if you'd welcome prayer after the service and want to be put into a prayer room with somebody from the prayer team, then please contact John on 07880 Um Just want to finish with a blessing from the Lectio 365 series. Every Sunday they have a Sabbath blessing and it's the same one every Sunday, but it's just, it's just a wonderful thing to finish off with. So may this day bring Sabbath rest to my heart and to my home. May God's image in me be restored and my imagination in God be restored. May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May I know grace to embrace my own finite smallness and the arms of God's infinite greatness. May God's word feed me and his spirit lead me into the week and into the life to come. Amen. You may now unmute.